You don't have to check your calendar to know that Christmas is coming. You can see it in our beautifully decorated church. So thankful for uh, everyone that was involved in making that happen. The guys getting the nativity out front, and make sure you see that when you drive by at night. It looks really great. Decorations show up in the stores earlier and earlier, don't they? It seems like the fall is just upon us, and there are already Christmas decorations uh, in the stores. The Hallmark movies are showing earlier and earlier. There's always a tree farm or a bakery or a toy shop. There's a small town guy and a big city girl, and somehow they fall in love. And that's what Christmas is all about, right? There's certainly the romance of all of those things that warm our hearts, but it's the birth of Jesus Christ that draws us to the Christmas season. Christmas music shows up on our radio stations, on our satellites. They have channels given over just to Christmas. And this year, I broke my tradition. I started playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving. When we had that big snow last week, I couldn't help but break out my Charlie Brown Christmas. It's jazz, it's Christmas, there's snow. What could be better, right? So I started listening earlier, and uh, I've been listening to all kinds of good Christmas music. That's what our series is about today. And if jazz is not your cup of tea or hot chocolate, you still hopefully love Christmas. You love Christmas music. We sing beautiful songs at this time of year. And we get wrapped up in a lot of our traditions. We want to get our trees up. We want to get our decorations out. And sometimes we miss the point. The last song we sang, Emmanuel, means God with us. The creator of all creation came to us as a baby to help us understand his character, his love for us, and most importantly, his great redemption plan. Over the next four weeks of Advent, that means waiting, we will explore a Christmas playlist from the familiar gospel of Luke. And these four songs are not necessarily ones that we will sing with the lyrics perfectly intact, but in Breath of Heaven, we heard a lot of Mary's song, praising God and thanking God for choosing her. The songs are meant to change us as they help us answer the four important questions about Christmas. Today in Mary's song, we're going to ask, what is God like? And then in Zechariah's song, we'll ask, why do you need God? In Simeon's song, we'll ask, how did God come? And then, finally, how did God do it? If you pull out your bulletin, there's an insert in there. You can take some notes. If you're online, as we mentioned, you can go to Family Life, sorry, not Family Life, <laughs> faithlife.com slash Dunkirk Baptist. If you go to Family Life, you'll find great music, um, but that's not where our digital bulletin is faithlife.com slash Dunkirk Baptist, and you can follow along. So today's question, what is God like that's revealed as God comes to Mary? If you were to think about that question just for a moment, what is God like? What comes to mind? Powerful? Everywhere? Loving? Angry? Mysterious? Unknowable? Or maybe 
non-existent? Your view of what God is like, or even if he exists, may be based on what your family believed as you grew up. It may be based just on your feelings. Or maybe you've given this a lot of thought as you were growing up. You wanted to ponder the deep things of God, and you spent lots of time thinking and questioning and looking for sources to tell you more about God. Or maybe it's a question you've avoided most of your life. I don't want to know more about God. I don't want him interfering in my life. I don't want him to be a part of it. Whatever category you might be in, there's probably one of those that might fit you. But not every one of those is right. So how can we really know what God is like? Imagine you've had an experience that helped everything click into place. You're no longer guessing, but now you really know if he exists and what he's like. That's exactly what happened to Mary at the beginning of our nativity narrative. And she was so impacted by really knowing who God was and what he's like that she broke into the very first Christmas carol. She sang out to God a song of praise. It's about the ordinary meeting the extraordinary, the very natural experiencing something supernatural. Knowing what God is like brought Mary great hope for her day and for the future. And knowing what God is like can bring you that same hope. Let me start off in Luke chapter 1. We often go to Luke chapter 2 for the Christmas narrative, but there's some things happening before that that get us ready for it. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 down to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, to be, me, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. A young woman, not yet married, but engaged or betrothed to a man named Joseph, was visited by an angel named Gabriel. 
This was a very natural, real person meeting an angel. Something, someone supernatural. A messenger from God. And this ordinary girl was given an extraordinary message. You have been chosen to give birth to the Son of God. Childbirth in and of itself is a miracle of new life, but it's an ordinary occurrence. This birth was going to be supernatural. Mary was a virgin. The Holy Spirit would supernaturally cause her to become pregnant with God's Son. Gabriel also told Mary that her older cousin, Elizabeth, was also pregnant. Another supernatural miracle in her old age and in her barren condition. And in verse 38, we see Mary's response, I will serve God faithfully. Let it be to me according to your word. Let all the things that you just said happen to me, just like you said, I am ready for God's will in my life. I don't want to stop anything. She accepted his will, his best path for her life. And then she did something very ordinary. She thought, I need to tell someone. Listen to verses 39 and down. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, and the baby in her womb leaped for joy when Mary arrived. That baby was the future prophet John the Baptist, and he couldn't wait to tell the world the good news. He's jumping for joy before he's even out into the world. This is such a beautiful picture of life before childbirth. We know that those babies are alive, and this one recognized his Savior and leaped in the womb. Elizabeth also knew, because of the Holy Spirit, supernaturally she knew that Mary was carrying the Son of God. Mary just couldn't wait to share the good news, so she runs to her cousin and says, guess what? And before she even says, I'm pregnant, Elizabeth says, you're carrying the Son of God. For Mary, that was a confirmation that this angel's message was true. Here, she's hearing it again. And Mary breaks out into song. Your Bible may have a heading on it saying the Magnificat. That doesn't mean a magnificent cat. It's Latin, and it means a song of praise. Her song was not about her struggles as a young, single, pregnant girl. She didn't start singing the blues, what am I going to do now? But instead, she sings about God, what he's like, and the blessing that he chose her of all people in all the world, in all of time. God, you chose me. 
If you have time later, jot this down. 1 Samuel chapter 2. If you read Hannah's praise to God for her miracle son, Samuel, there are so many similarities that God preordained just for us to read and say, here's another mother excited about a son who's coming to serve God, and she also sings praise to God. Well, let's continue and hear what Mary has to sing and say. So Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Mary recognizes that God is mindful of me. In verse 48 in the NIV, it says, God has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. In the text as we read it today, she said, where did it go? Sorry. God, you have seen me. He's looked on me. God sees me. Do you ever feel unseen, unnoticed? Maybe you're in a crowded place and people just walk by you without making eye contact. Maybe in your own home you feel like you're overlooked and nobody sees you, nobody notices you. You are not unseen. You are not unknown because God thinks about you. He's mindful of you. He looks on you and he sees you. He knows your life. Just like this humble girl says, I will be remembered and called blessed by generations to come. God could have chosen a queen or a princess in a wealthy palace, but instead he chose an insignificant nobody from a small, unimportant town. God is mindful of me, and that caused Mary to sing praise. Thank you, God, for seeing me. Thank you for noticing me. Thank you for knowing me. And then we see in verses 54 to 55 that God is mindful of us. He helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. Mary recognizes that God has helped her nation, her people, Israel. God is mindful of his people. He thinks about them. And God remembers his mercy. He remembers his promises to Abraham so long ago. All the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham that he would become a great nation, that God would bless him and his offspring for generation after generation. And then God promised 
to bless not just the nation of Israel, because most of us here are not part of that nation of Israel. God promised he would bless the whole world through the offspring of Abraham, through his people. He would bring peace to all the world, his great redemption plan, fixing the problem of sin in our world. That was a promise that a Messiah would come, a Savior would be born not only to save his people Israel, but bringing salvation to all the world. So God sent prophets, spokesmen, to reaffirm those promises. Robert read from one of our famous or favorite Christmas prophets, Isaiah. It says a son would be born and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. No mere human could carry those names. And even though he would come from the house of King David, his kingdom would never end. God is mindful of us, not just Mary, but he's mindful of his people. And he cares about the creation that he made, and he keeps his promises. Mary recognized that the Son was given. This is the Messiah. God is keeping all of his promises, and she was going to become part of that great redemption story, the plan that God had laid out for thousands of years ahead. The Son of God would be her son. She had the privilege and great honor of carrying and giving birth and then raising up the Messiah of the world. Jesus came to our world, Emmanuel, God with us, to show us what God is like as he lived his life. But before he even came, God revealed great truths about himself and to Mary and to us. So what is God like? God knows you. God cares about you. God makes promises to you, and God acts to keep those promises and to help you. The great, almighty, holy, all-powerful God is not isolated and removed from us. His greatness is revealed in this intimacy. The prophet Isaiah told us about God's promised Messiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. As Jesus came to earth, he showed us what God is like, and he showed us that his mission was to pay for our sins, to offer his own righteousness for your salvation and mine. And in verse 49, Mary sings about God's great power and the great things he has done for us. God sees me. He knows us. He's mindful of us. And God is mighty over us. He shows mercy to those who fear him. Fearing God means respect, knowing him, knowing who he is. And he shows great mercy to those who recognize that. He's scattered the proud he brings the mighty to their knees. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. God is completely in control of the nations and the governments. 
He sends the rich away empty as he fills up the hungry. People who are rich and wealthy can have anything and everything they want. And they may quickly realize that those things just won't fill you up. When we hear the words wealthy and rich, we usually don't immediately put ourselves into that category. But if we look at the rest of the world, we have just about everything we need and often all the things we want. The stuff that we acquire, even the iPhone 14 Pro Max or the newest Galaxy S22 Ultra can't satisfy your soul. As you flip through and see all those things you don't have, it just creates more longing, more wanting. When we're successful in our careers, when school is going great and our grades are awesome, when our kids are doing just what we want or what we think is best for them, when things are comfortable, when things are good, it's easy to think that we don't really need God we forget that he is mighty and we are not. Sometimes God will allow things to happen in your life that bring you to your knees, making you realize that you are weak, that you are helpless. It may be your job giving up, giving out. It may be bills piling up. It may be cancer or some other kind of illness. It may be your family feeling like they're out of control. These are ways that God sometimes gets our attention. And the question is, how are you going to react? Where will you turn when the bottom falls out? What will you believe? What will you do? And where are you going to turn for the answers? Knowing what God is like brings great hope for those situations, not only for today, but for our future. And that's the problem with the rich as God outlined it. The rich go away empty. Their lives are filled with stuff, but they're still missing the whole point. They don't know God. Those who are hungry that are searching for God are filled spiritually. Will you see that a relationship with God is, just not, is not just about how it makes you feel good about yourself? Will you recognize in those difficult times that God is powerful, that He is in control, and that whatever is happening to you, He knows. He's aware of it, and He's in control of it. It's not about fitting God into your life's schedule putting him into your priorities, your preferences, and saying, God, you have a place in my life, but just stay there. I don't want to see you as mighty and in full control. I don't want you to take over and upset my life. It's going so well right now. It's when things aren't going so well that we say, God, please take it over. I want you in control. We need to see God as mighty and holy and see ourselves as small. And needy. The good news of Christmas is that God is mindful of you. He knows you. 
He sees you. And he is way stronger than you are. Only he can save you. And his promises to fill the hungry with good things will be filled as you bring him into your life and say, I want you in control, God. I don't want to keep doing this myself. Only he can bring you real hope, real peace, real joy, and true, all-fulfilling love. When Mary encountered God's messenger, and when she heard what he had to say, her response was to break out in song, to rejoice that God is all-caring, all-powerful, that God is mighty to save. Her song wasn't about herself. It was all about God and what he's like. Have you recognized your own sin and failures? Have you recognized that you can't fix those problems yourself? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have, rejoice. You have the greatest gift of all. If you haven't, please come talk to me or talk to someone after the service. If you're watching with us online, you can contact me through the church office. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know God as he knows you, that's the first step. But if you have already trusted him, are you submitting your life to his will and his purpose for your life? Do you live to praise and honor him like Mary did? Or do you say, God, you can have Sundays, but the rest of the week I need to get my stuff done. I'm the one in charge. And then I'll just show up and enjoy you on Sunday. God is looking for all of your life. And when you give it all to him, that's when you experience true joy, true peace. You have hope for the future and you know his love. Mark's going to come. We're going to close in another beautiful Christmas song. Please pray with me as he comes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning that we could join together to begin the season of Advent, to look forward to Christmas, the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, like Mary, to recognize how mighty you are and how mindful you are of us, that you know us, that you care about us, and you have a purpose and a plan for our lives to bring glory and honor to your Son, Jesus. May God, the Father of hope, fill you with all peace and joy in believing in his Son, Jesus Christ, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may overflow with his great love. I pray this in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.